Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Amen. I'm on air. There was a song we sang this morning. Oh my gosh. I'll have to talk about it just now, but I got so excited when you brought it up. Because what I'm speaking on today is the battle is the Lord's. Okay. But there were three things that happened when I was in the UK. And I'll be sort of mentioning all of those things. Because I don't want to have to tell each one of you my story. So we'll just give a blanket across the whole lot. And so, yeah. But I am so happy to be home. And do you know who I missed the most? Logan. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> All of you. You don't know how excited I get when I know I'm coming home. I actually get butterflies. And you know, I'm on a little bit of a vitamin thing. I have this at night, like what calcium at night and vitamin A and this and this. You know, and then I start counting them down. I put them in little groups. <laughs> so I know I've got two groups. I've only got two sleeps and then I get so excited. <laughs> you actually don't know how hard it is to be isolated from your family, and like, yeah, 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 you, you do, but I don't. I mean, I mean they don't. <laughs> so basically, when I arrived in the UK, what was happening everywhere I was going was that scripture is, the battle is the Lord's, position yourself, and God is going to fight on your behalf, be strong and courageous. You know, all those scriptures, we all know them. We all know them. Whose battle are we in? Not ours, the Lord's. And I was thinking, okay, well, God is definitely speaking to me on behalf of somebody else. And every time I spoke to somebody, I used to say, just give the battle to the Lord. Anyway, eventually God said, highlighted it enough that I realized he was speaking to me. Wow. <laughs> and what he did is he took this time just to renew, I think we're taking it, even as these born-again, spirit-filled, grace Christians, we are taking our position so for granted that we don't get excited about it. Come on, who watched Bohemian Rhapsody? I think it was last year, this year. Do you know it's not the person's voice or his song, or the words, even as I said, some of those words didn't even make sense. What you were picking up when that man sang was passion. And do you know passion is a transference of a spirit? And do you know that if you become passionate about who you are in Christ, you are going to transfer that to everybody around you? And you know what? I just felt that God said, he just wants to release such a passion for himself over you. I did. I really felt God wants to restore the passion of your salvation to you, to each of us, because we lose it because we become battle weary. We feel like we've been in this war and in that war and this war. And passion becomes, I don't want to go into another battle. We become, oh, let me just live a normal life. Come on. We've all been there, hey? There is only one battle, one fight, one strife that we are called to as born-again believers that are spirit-filled. Come on, what is that? 
Sorry? There's a good fight of faith, and there's another one? Your rest. That is what you have to fight for, is to stay in a place of rest so that you don't become battle-scarred and worn out. And we become battle-scarred and worn out because we're fighting the battle that God has offered to fight on our behalf. I mean, hello, how stupid can we be and still breathe this air? It's so true, though. It's like we called lessons. Um, you know what? I haven't even got all these things, so you're just going to have to be a huge blessing to me and follow me around. Okay. Thank you. We were, um, I didn't even put scriptures up this morning, but you know that scripture in Timothy? I didn't even bring glasses up, and my font is way too small. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take a hold of eternal life to which you were called. Now, we always think, that'll happen when I die. Hey? My faith is hanging on to Jesus while I live. And it says, you made that good confession of faith surrounded and in the presence of many witnesses. Which witnesses do you think those were? The witnesses at HCC when you came to the front of the church? The witness of your mother and your father when they saw you say, I do? It's angels. There's a glory realm around you. The Bible said that those angels, when you did that, what did they do? They rejoiced. They had a party. They celebrated. So they say, there is a good fight. And that is a fight to hang on to faith. But do you know that that word good, good fight, means beautiful, a beautiful fight, or a handsome fight. It can be either word. So we're called to fight a beautiful fight. We're not called to get into a boxing ring and, pow, I'll knock the devil out, and pow, he gives me a black eye, and pow, I got his molar. That is not the fight that God is calling us to. The good fight is a fight of hanging on to the confession of your faith. Jesus has done it all. Jesus fights on my behalf. The battle is the Lord's. That is a good fight of faith. Am I screaming? I am excited. <laughs> because God was showing me this so clearly that the battle is his. Do you know God prepared a life for you in advance? Not just good works, because if you're just inclined to do good works, the Bible says, what are they? Filthy rags. Good works, trying to impress God, the Bible calls it, those filthy rags were menstrual rags. Hello. They were meant to be burnt or discarded, not touched, unclean. So God says, I don't touch your filthy, your good works. So, but we have works that were prepared in advance that are good. And how can they be good? When we fight the good fight of faith on behalf of ourselves and our loved ones, on behalf of the church and behalf of the nation. That is the good work he's called you to do. When you're doing that, everything else will fall into place when you're fighting that good fight of faith. Do you know when you were going to have your first baby? Do you remember? 
what you did, you prepared a room. Okay? You made that room beautiful. When I had my little Carrie Lee, is that my phone? <laughs> Somebody's missing me. Anyway, okay. But when I had Carrie, I thought Carrie was going to be a boy. Yes. So, yes, that's right. The doctor told me Carrie was a boy. So I had to then prepare what I had prepared for a girl because I had thought myself in my heart. You know how a woman who's pregnant actually knows what they're having? I'm dead serious. A woman knows. And I had thought inside my stomach was a little girl. So I did, do you remember when candle wicking was all in fashion? I candle wicked the whole room. Okay. So after I found out I was having a boy, everybody used to tease me and say, when your baby's born, he's going to go, where? <laughs> but anyway, I did my best to prepare for my child, for my baby to come into this world. I did my best to prepare the right schools for my children. I did my best to buy the right uniform so that they could fit in and do the right sports and be a part of what they... Everything I did was about preparing a way for my child. I didn't say to my child, oh, you five, out the door, go to school. I prepared, and the Bible says in the same way, God prepared everything for you ahead of time. There are things that are prepared for you that you haven't even realized or noticed because you're so consumed with fighting. Okay. So, I put food on the table for my children. I provide for them. I do everything that a good mother should do. And God, whose love is so superior to mine, did all that for you. But we don't always see it. And you know what I also felt is like that that doesn't change as we get older. You know, we've got this thing. You're a mature Christian. Come on now, stand on your own two feet. God is saying, you must be still my child. I've prepared stuff for you. I'm giving you stuff. I've made a way for you. It doesn't matter if you're 80 years old. A mature Christian is just a Christian who knows who they are in Christ. That they know, that they know, that they know the child of God cannot lose their salvation, righteous forever. That's what mature Christian is. It's not somebody who works and does it all on their own. So we've got to try and separate what we see in the natural and put into the spirit realm what God has done. So, and our Father knows the end from the beginning. So if we learn to hear his voice and we obey him, just like an obedient child would obey their parents, their life is easy. A child who's rebellious has <laughs> a really crappy life. All they want to do is leave home. Have you noticed that? But a child who fits into the family, they, they don't want to ever leave home. <laughs> There are five words to live by, and I heard this from Joseph Prince, which was another one of the scriptures that just hit me in the face. I saw um, a little clip there, five words to live by. So I opened up and I listened to it, and he spoke about the battle is the Lord's. Five words to live by should be your motto. The battle is the Lord's. Bethlehem, 
you know that um, Bethlehem, Beth, means home. Huh? So wherever you see Beth, it means house of, home of. So, and Lechem means bread. But if you put a little, one of these funny little Hebrew books on Lechem, it also means to fight or to battle. And what I really, when I just heard that, I just thought, wow. He didn't go into this, but I thought like, when I'm in his home, when I'm in his bed, and I feed on him, he fights for me. How's that? When I have communion, he fights for me. When I come and I put myself under the word of God, he is fighting because you are feeding. So while you are feeding, he is fighting. Do you know when you come here and you begin to worship and you focus on God and you are feeding and your spirit is growing and things are being revealed to you, God is sorting out all the stupid little things that the demonic will try and bring against you. The more we feed, the more we feed on the presence of God and on the word of God and in worship. Worship is feeding. And that's why I heard that song that you sang about the battle, you know, it's all about when we're feeding on God and we're declaring those words into the heavenlies, the battle becomes God's. If we're not doing that, we're fighting, going to go home and fight our own battles again because we've been sitting. I haven't been feeding. All I've been doing is thinking of how to solve my situation. I have not been feeding. I have not been worshiping. I can't worship. I've got too many problems. I don't have enough money. For goodness sake, feed, feed, worship, and God fights. He fights on your behalf. It's just so beautiful, that communion. I mean, hello, everything the Bible speaks about feeding, feeding on the word, feeding on the presence of others. I read this little quip. It says, we, the church, grow in the context of other people. We are each other's fertilizer. We are each other's food. We grow in the context of others, and so often we go on a starvation diet. When I was in the UK, I hated eating meals because I sat alone. Do you know how hard it is to eat a really good meal when you sit completely on your own? Hello, come on, Chrissy, those that have lost loved ones, you know that whole transference of a shared meal to a solo meal, there's just not the same joy in it. Okay, so we grow in the context of one another, and when we feed, and we have that spirit of God released over our lives, the angelic realm begins to manifest and to fight your battles. It just doesn't get our brains because it's not natural enough. We're not in the spirit enough. We're too much here. I'm taught from a little girl. You have a problem. What are you going to do about it? And we have to change. We've got to say, God, what are you going to do about it? So by worship, we are entering our rest. I can come and I can sit here and I can worship and I don't feel like I'm going to fail my exam that I'm not studying. But, but it's true because I'm entering his rest and I'm trusting him to Help me to retain what I've read and studied before. 
It's just, if I'm staying at home to get that contract, it's just enter his rest. Let him do it for you. That's what he wants. He's prepared it for you. So feeding and fighting are the same word. Okay. So we don't fight by? We fight by? How do we fight our battles? I can't hear you. No. No. By feeding. Okay. Start to feed on the Word of God, on the presence of God, and on other Christians. What does the Bible say in Psalm 23? He's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Not in the absence of my enemies. He's saying, come and sit and feed. I'll sort that out for you. I mean, hello, he has prepared this for you way in advance. And all we do is day in and day out is put our boxing gloves on. I mean, it's stupid. I don't want to be a boxer with teeth missing. <laughs> so it's like, So we are seated in the presence of our enemies, but we're not just seated, we are feeding in the presence of our enemies. And how do you do that? How do you feed? I mean, I love a nice meal, but I mean, how do you feed? In the spirit, this is it. You've come into worship and you're saying, thank you, Father. The battle is yours. Thank you, Father, that I am positioned in you. You just think of all the things you can thank him for. Thank you, Jesus, that you said that I can have communion. And when I have communion, my body will be healed. And the devil says, but I see that sickness still. You say, uh-uh. Thank you, Father, I am healed because you are bringing heaven to earth. And as you confess, you are releasing something into the spirit realm that allows God to fight battles, to war off those demons of sickness and lack. And, you know, one of the biggest ones is depression. He wards off those demons. You declare, my eyes aren't on you, devil. My eyes are on Jesus, my eyes are what he said he would provide. You know, Goliath is like such a picture of the demonic in the Old Testament. David is a picture of the Christian, okay? You know, what did he say when David arrived there? Goliath said to him, what? Do you think I'm a dog? You're coming in with a stick and a stone? What do you think I'm a dog? Where's your armor? Where's your sword? You, you're going to be easy to feed. David retorts, what? I'm not coming as a man. I'm coming in the name of the Lord. The battle is God's. Do you know that David so believed that the battle was the Lord's that he didn't even put the armor on? Let me tell you if it was me. I would have worn, who's the biggest man? You're probably about the biggest guy in this, in this building at the back there. I would have worn his armor just to make sure that I could be slightly protected. But David knew that the battle was the Lord. Goliath, who's a picture of the demon, was kept on saying to him, uh-uh, you've got a battle to fight. You've got a battle to fight, and you're not going to be able to do it. Not like that anyway. 
There's a lot of work that you've got to put into this battle if you think you're going to defeat me. And that's his job, is to keep us so busy fighting that the good fight of faith does not happen. Okay, so we just see that the devil is continually trying to bring us back into the natural. Put on the armor. And God is continually saying, the battle is mine. It's like, I hope you're getting this, because I was so excited about it. I mean, there are battles that are for sickness, finances, your children. When your child goes astray and does stupid things, God loves that child more than you love them. You just say, God, I know you love them more than I do. The battle is yours. There is a covenant that comes from me to my children. God has promised. And my great-grandchildren. The battle is the Lord's. And he loves you more than you love yourself. The battle is the Lord's. And when we focus on God, when we feed on God and what he has, he just says, whoa, I will fight on your behalf. Do you know when I was in the UK, Steve probably mentioned it, I'm not sure. Um, One of the things that's quite hard is when you're away from family and a crisis hits. Because da-da-da-da-da-da, on your white horse you come. I'm going to come and solve the situation and help and do everything that needs to be done. Who else is like that? I'm like that. Okay, I know that. When something happens, I'm, I believe I'm sorely needed. Okay. More than, more than they need God, they need Janet. <laughs> and while I was in the UK, Carrie and her boyfriend were house-sitting. Did you hear it? The house got broken into at 8 o'clock in the evening. Thank God Logan was, with his, Logan was with his dad. They were tied up and everything was taken. All their personals, all their money, their computers, their laptops, their phones. Um, both the cars, which one was mine, that I had kindly lent to my daughter while I was away. But everything got stolen. And Carrie got a hiding because she was trying to look at what they were doing. So I'm like, I want to be there. How can I be here? And I've got to go and I've got to help and I've got to sort it out and redeem the situation. And fortunately, that was about in the middle of my say, no, it wasn't, probably about three weeks. And the God said, Janet, this battle is mine. And do you know that they found both cars on the same night? Both cars were found on the same night. I mean, like, within probably the cars were found within an hour, but most of the goods were gone. But I mean, still, it's, it's a big thing to lose your car. Anyway, so the battle belongs to the Lord, even in my absence. And then the second thing that God really spoke to me about, and that I do think it is for all of you, and it's for me as well, is hearing the voice of God. How do I know that I am hearing from God? There is so much confusion in that arena. And God said to me so clearly, I mean, I started going through all the teachings that I've been through across the 
hundreds of years that I've been in the ministry, and I really have. I've been in the ministry since I was 24, and I'm now going nearly 60. But <laughs> all the different teachings and programs that I've done on hearing the voice of God were just being thrown at me, thrown at me, thrown at me in my heart. And I'm thinking, when I get home, I'm going to try and find these notes. When I get home, I'm going to do that. And because I'm lonely, I put on podcasts and I listen to podcasts. And guess who popped up in my podcast was Rob Rufus. And he began to speak about the Holy Spirit and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know that God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on earth, on all flesh. I'm seated in heaven, but I'm also here on earth. So the Holy Spirit is with me there, and he's with me here. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on, the Bible says, righteous and unrighteous. He's covering the earth. He's to convict the unrighteous that they need to get saved, and he's to convict the righteous that they are righteous. That's what he says. It says he's here to convict us of our righteousness and our unrighteousness. He's not here to convict the born-again person that they're unrighteous. What you've done now is so bad. He's here to say, hang on, stuffed up, but you know what? You and Jesus are like this. You know, that's it. And I realize that the more you develop a relationship with the Spirit of God, it's not the third person of the Godhead. He's not the third one that came in at the race number three, and first is God, and second is Jesus, and oh, shoot, now I've got to go with the person that went third. <laughs> it's not that. It's the power of God in the spirit form that has been poured out on the earth to change our lives. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. We all go, oh, you better serve Jesus. You better serve Jesus. Jesus says, I came to serve you. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is here to serve us. He teaches, he guides, he leads, he speaks, he comforts. Some people have to pay for people like that. It's true. They go to psychologists. They employ people, what they call their companions. The Holy Spirit is here on earth to serve us. And you know what? When you're convicted of that righteousness of who you are in Christ, you will begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You won't be able to say, is that the devil? Is that me? Or is that the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you know? You know what's from the devil. You know what's from yourself. And you know what's from the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is life and life and abundance and the demonic is here to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm at this road. Is it death? Is it life? I hear the voice of God. Don't do that, Janet. Do that. And it's not a voice that comes from the outside. Janet, you need to turn left at the next four. Those do happen. It does happen. And it's happened to me that I have heard the voice of God. But mostly it's like this voice that won't go away. It's like here, yeah, and it won't go away. And he's saying, do this, do this. Do, come on, come on, come on. I'll be with you. I'll help you. Do it afraid. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. And you know, one of the things Rob said, and I thought, oh, this makes so much sense. We love the Bible. We love the Word of God. We can live in the Bible. We can live in the Word. But what is better than that? It's his presence. 
I can read love letters from Stephen from way past and have my little box with all my special letters and notes. And I can go through, oh, yes, he does love me. Oh, he did love me more then. Oh, why did he fight with me about that and then write the letter? That is not a relationship. This is a relationship. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you can read about me, but come on. Listen to me, hear me, obey me. I will tell you, I have an abundant life for you. Isn't that exciting? Okay. So we want to become obedient children because we want to be blessed. And then the third thing that God spoke to me about, have I got time? Oh, sorry, Terry, do forgive me. Terry said I'm not allowed to say the word time. And it's not long, I promise. It's the whole thing of the heavenly realm. It, it just the, the glory, the presence of God, that place where you just become intoxicated with his love. And um, I just realized that, you know, we are so fearful of not being in control that we don't let God be in control. I mean, I know of people that have laid on the carpet for hours let me experience God, and they don't. But it, at the end of the day, you probably come back to a fact that they're just trying to hang on to their dignity, to their control, and it's the way they were raised. doesn't mean God loves you less. He loves you just the same. But that whole thing of just the glory realm and of angels just started becoming so real to me. And people are so scared of angels because of all the teachings you've heard of you could even be deceived by an angel. We, are so, we focus on that one scripture so much that we don't read the other scriptures or the other things that people are experiencing of, of angelic beings. And once again, if you know who you are in Christ, you won't be deceived. And even if you are deceived, God will bring you back. So what God showed me is that there are three different heavens. We've got the heaven that we can see, which is what we walk out. We see the sun, the stars, the moons, what, what's visible. In the Bible, that is called the first heaven. That is the heaven of the world. Okay, so when people are oh, going to heaven, they, they often think they're going to go sit on the clouds. But then there's a second heaven the Bible speaks about, which is actually the demonic realm. And that is the heaven that you'll see like Daniel's angel encountered. He was caught in the second heaven for 21 days. He was fighting battles to get through to bring the answer to the prayer. That there's, um, then there's a third heaven, which is the heaven where the glory of God dwells and all the saints and the angels and... I believe the presence of God is in all three heavens. I do. Because the Bible says he defeated the evil one. But it's for us to enforce it. You see? So that, and when I was thinking and pondering on the three heavens, God gave me such a clear picture of me seated on a throne alongside the Godhead with like, it, it looked like clouds, called clouds, that my feet were on. And I realized 
why I rule and reign from heavenly places and why Jesus says he has placed the demonic beneath his feet. They are trapped in that second heaven and only we as human beings can release their participation in the first heaven. I don't have all the scriptures to go by it, but I will probably study up a bit more about it, but you'll see Paul, he was in jail, but he wasn't trapped in his body. Isn't it amazing at a time where a person felt the most trapped, they had the most heavenly experiences? And you know, when I was in, I was in Glasgow, by the way, sometimes I would feel like I was in a prison. You've got three hours free a day which you can do what you want and the rest you're accountable. And, you know, you feel like, I just want to jump out the window. <laughs> do what I want, get away from this. And, you know, it's like your body, your spirit can be in touch continually. And Paul learned that while he was in prison, how to experience the first, second, and third heavens. But that is for another thing. But God started speaking to me about the angels and how many different angels there are. That's one thing I want to say is, do, I mean, I think you know it, but I don't know if you know it. You have 10,000 angels each. Do you, who knows that? Who didn't know that? You have 10,000 angels each. And there's a scripture for that, eh? I wonder if I should find it for you. Or do you believe me? You believe me. You have 10,000. They are there to minister to you, to serve you. I mean, like, that's crazy. There are angels that will bring you revelation. When you say, what the heck are they speaking about grace? You can actually say, Father, just send an angel to bring revelation in Jesus' name to me. There are angels that are your guardian angels. And although I've never seen an angel, Stephen has seen his angel. He was very battle-worn at the time. But one of his angels. I've seen a demonic spirit, okay? And it was huge. It was probably to the ceiling. But it was an outline and a form. And I've heard of people that have seen angels. They're also outlines and forms. But when there's a proper manifestation of an angel, they are so beautiful that people are tempted to worship them. And yet the Bible says we are created higher than the angels. And do you know why we, we don't feel like that because we can't walk through walls and fly in the sky. But you know what? The angels don't see you. What do they see? They see your glorified body. And do you know that when um, Jesus went up the mountain and the prophets of old appeared to them on the top of the mountain, what did they come in? They came in their glorified body. What did the disciples want to do? They wanted to make their home there. That's how beautiful the glorified bodies were. It's like going to the Drakensberg and looking out the mountains or over the ocean. It was something that overwhelmed them so much that they said, let's put a tent and stay here so we can look at this. I mean, hello. And the angels are also beautiful, but we are created higher than angels. So if we start worshiping our angel or worshiping angels, we are in a huge error. It's like me saying, how can I put it without it sounding caustic? Uh, my maid, 
for example, who serves me, if I start worshipping her, it, it, it's a, a violation of a pecking order. She must worship me. <laughs> no, but she must honor me. She must ask me what my needs are, what she can do for me. And yes, there's reciprocation because we live on earth. But if I'm continually saying to her, is there anything I can do for you today? It's a reversal. And the angels are there to serve you, not to have you worship them and conjure them. And God's, and one of the things that it just hit me is, and God said it to me, take it or leave it. Sometimes God says things to you that aren't, in the, aren't primarily in the Bible, but they are insinuated in the word of God if you look for it, is that these angels are voice activated. They're not thought activated. They're being created lower than you. If they could actually see what was going on inside of you, they, they would be higher than you. They are voice activated. Even like these toys that you have to activate with your boys, there's so many gizmos these days, voice activated, light on, light off, music on. There are, there's just so many, sorry, phone Steve. Oh, tell me what's happening with the weather tomorrow. Everything. But these angels are voice activated, and God showed me this so clearly. He said, tell them what you want them to do for you. And as a born-again believer who is righteous in Christ, I'm not going to tell them to do stupid things like let's do cartwheels across the stage or uh, run in front of a car and lift me up so that I don't get hit. But that, that's just stupid. I mean, Jesus actually did say there are angels that will lift you up so you don't hit your feet. But, I mean, I'm just saying I'm not going to go into the realm of stupidity. But I definitely want to experience the angels that have been assigned to me to bring what's in heaven to earth and me seated in heaven. You know, I've got what God has got for me in my hands here and I'm passing through the demonic realm and the demons all going, yeah, rah, rah, trying to steal what God has for me. And I've got these angels that are surrounding me. There is a picture of an angel surrounding a man on a, a chair, but it doesn't matter. But I've got angels surrounding me. So anyway, I'm going to finish now. But I'm going to finish with a story. So, Louise, my daughter-in-law, sends me a text on the day that I am departing. And the text is, oh, Janie, we're so glad that you're coming home because you can babysit for me again. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I know that's what she actually meant. But... And then she said, I'm praying for you for seats. I'm a big person, and I'm getting bigger all the time, but... <laughs> When, when I sit on the chairs in the airplane, the chairs are on my knees. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have that as well. Oh, you must be having a heck of a time. Yeah, Martin, I mean, and Trevor. I mean, like, it, it, it's horrific when you're in an airplane. It's just not nice. And God has given me an incredible gift of faith in the area of airplane seats, and I've shared that with you before. And I don't want to lie to you. Even when Stephen travels, I get us bulkhead seats or emergency exit seats. It's just something I've always trusted God for and always had. So anyway, so I go on the flight schedule to check myself in, and the flight is a sardine can. There was not one chair open. So I'm thinking, well, God, if I get an emergency exit on this, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I'm going to trust you for that miracle. 
So anyway, so I get to the airport, stand in my line, hate standing in those lines, they're gone forever. But I've got to practice my patience and, you know. Anyway, and then I'm always scanning the faces of the people behind. Do, do any of you do that? She looks nice, he looks awful, they're grumpy, <laughs> they're happy. I hope I get them. No, because if you get a grumpy person, they're the kind of person I'll say, Hey, you point 1.5 grams over in your suitcase. Can you please unpack it? No, but it's true. You know, if you get the wrong person, they can make your life a nightmare when you travel. So anyway, so I'm always scanning faces. So I said, oh, who? Okay. Then I said, okay. I remembered what Louise had said. I, you know, in my mind, I'm my nat in the natural with my arm on, I'm saying it's impossible. But so I said, right now. Standing here, and I'm saying this out loud because everybody at the airport talks. And there's everybody. So they don't know who I'm talking to, if I'm mad or what. But I said, I release the angels that have been sent to me to prosper my situation, to go ahead, to make paths for me, to clear the way, to make everything easy, that I would get upgraded. And I start just declaring this, but out loud, okay? No, I, I don't know if anybody looked at me because I was too concerned about the angels and everything. So as I get to the front of the line, this person calls me over to their side. But as I get there, another person just comes and sits down and calls me over. I go, oh, okay. I think, oh, well, maybe she's fresh. So, you know, and like happy. So I say, well, how long have you been working for? She said, oh, I've only got an hour to go. I go, mm, okay, all right. So I said to her, uh, well, and she was very sweet, very, very sweet. The British people, sorry, they're, uh, they work at the airports are not very sweet. I don't know if you've noticed that. They're just wanting to get the job done. And they, they play by the rules. They do. They're very, the British are very law-abiding. Very. <laughs> excepting for Dave. Excepting for Dave and Trevor. So I go to, so I say to her, I know I'm taking a chance. I know it's a full flight. Is there any chance of an emergency exit? Oh, let me check for you. She says, but I don't think so. It's a fully booked flight. I said, yes, I saw that on the internet. She phones. But I mean, I'm just so helpful. And she says, can I please have emergency exit, whatever department? Da -da -da, talk, 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 talk. She says, you got the last one. <laughs> and I read, hello. I was so excited. So then I, I went through, and I was told I had to be a, an hour before the gate by this lady. And I said, why an hour? She said, because it's such a full flight that if you don't get there, they'll give your seat away. There's people on standby. So I said, oh, okay, all right. You know, and I was quite long to go sit at a boarding gate and to wait for your plane. So like a good citizen, if I go to the boarding gate an hour before the time, stand in the line once again. You're given your boarding pass. You know, you're given your boarding pass. And um, then they check your passport just as you get on the plane. I give him my boarding pass. It goes through a machine and out pops something else, an another boarding pass. So I think, well, I don't think he's here. And the lady says to me, Oh, you have been upgraded to business class. <laughs> I go, huh? How? What? What? Me? Are you serious? Why? Why me? And she's ashamed. She started laughing. She said, you're the kind of person I love it when it happens to you. But anyway. But I went into this airplane. That was what my seat was like. That it's a brand new business class on Emirates Airlines. It's nothing like the ones, the, one, the ones you see when you walk through them. You can't walk through those ones. It's upstairs. 
is you don't see the plebs. <laughs> and you know, you go and you sit in this chair, you've got two windows to yourself, you've got two cubicles to yourself. Those that have been in business class, this is better than business class, okay. You've got your own overhead locker. It's like a completely different world, and as you come sit, they come straight over. What would you like to drink? Champagne, orange juice, water, you know. They, it's like they treat you like you've stepped out of the palace, you know. It's, no, seriously, it's like amazing. So I sit there, and I'm feeling like really stupid, because I don't know how this all works. <laughs> you can see like where that guy's sitting, if you look on that far little corner, there's like a little gay, gay gizmo thing there with brown thing. I wish if I had a... That's a tablet. Okay, so you can control your TV with a tablet or do whatever you want. Your TV's on this side. It's, it's probably made for a person, I think, about six foot six. No, I'm serious, the whole, the whole seat. And after I play, then that bottom little area with the two little bars around it is your own bar. You can help yourself. Then in the top area, all your toilet, toiletries. Then they come and they give me a little bag. It's, what, Balgovari? A little bag with perfumes and all kinds of little goodies in it. I like this. <laughs> trying to act like I'm a business class regular. <laughs> Taking photos, like hoping nobody's watching. <laughs> And then when you stand up off that bed, they come and they put like a thick padding on that bed so that you can sit on that. And when you're ready, they come, your pillow and your other. The bed doesn't go like that. It goes, you can have it anyway, flat, this way, that. It's, it's like. Then I get up to go to the toilet. So I'm probably walking in the wrong direction. So the stewardess says, oh, can I help you? You know, because there's like one stewardess per five passengers. I said, uh, I'm going to the toilet. She says, no, no, the toilets are that way. So I turn around and I walk off to the toilets. And I walk into a bar in a lounge. There's a whole bar area in a lounge packed with food and drinks that you can help yourself to. <laughs> there's people having more teas. And if I tell you, it's a full-on cocktail, mocktails, I've got all the mocktails for those who don't drink, and all the cocktails, the most expensive alcohol I have ever seen in my whole life. Even their fruit, everything was cellophane wrapped with little bows. It's like, I was just like, my angels did this for me. <laughs> God, I love you. Thank you, you fought a fight on my behalf. I didn't have to beg or even ask. It just happened. <laughs> you know, and I was just so excited. I thought I had a shit. I felt like a child, and I still feel like a child when I think about it. It was like a different world. And you know what? The people that are there, they were kids. What a waste. <laughs> what a waste of money, little ones. Whole chairs like that to themselves. Can we? I know it's late. It's actually half an hour there was a song you sang. But I want you to declare this into the heavenlies. I want you to release it into the angelic realm. And I want you to have God fighting for you while you are feeding in his presence. So Father, right now, I 
just want to release the angelic host, the 10,000 angels that are here. They're not in heaven. They are here to minister to the believers, to the saints of God, just to release them to war on their behalf. I release angels that will protect every person. I release angels of provision. I release angels that will go before our paths, making our way straight. I just want to release the goodness, the fullness of what God has for these people over them today in Jesus' name. Just receive, just worship Him. Thank you, God, that you are fighting on my behalf. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know which song it is?